Okay, ladies, I just had my 35th birthday and I realized I have been sober and a self-improvement junkie for about 10 years and I'm really proud of myself. And I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about some of the lessons I've learned over the last decade and why I've decided that this year is going to be my best year ever and how you can ensure that your next 12 months are your best year ever too. What I want to share today is going to sound counterintuitive for most people. It certainly was for me. I mean, especially considering the fact that I've always thought of myself as a happy person. And I want to explain why being a happy person or believing that that's who I am is a mental block that I'm working on dismantling so that I can actually have my best year ever. We're also going to dive into what exactly it means to have your best year. What is that? How do you define it? So I'm going to share what it means to me and encourage you to either borrow my definition or be very intentional about crafting your own. I also want to give you some steps on how exactly to do that. So this is going to be a really great episode. And if you like the work I'm doing, through the Forever Love podcast, the kindest, most loving thing you can do for my birthday, belated birthday wishes would be to go and leave an honest review for me on Apple podcast for the Forever Love podcast. I love creating this podcast for you. But the only way it's going to make a global impact the way I believe it can is through the grace of God and you you sharing it with other women who will be blessed by the encouragement, inspiration, and the practical how-to style advice I love to share for those who want to honor their God-given desire for marriage and become a godly wife. So thank you in advance for making this possible. Hello, my friend. How are you doing? Welcome to the Forever Love Podcast. I am your host and relationship coach, Lily Matonguiza, and I want to let you know it was my 35th birthday on Sunday, and it was really good. We started by going to church, which I really needed, and if, if you don't know my backstory yet, you got to go back to episode one because I share a lot about how I got to where I am, why I do what I do, but you should know that we were pastoring, my husband and I were pastoring a branch of a church while we lived in Canada, and it didn't, it didn't end well. We realized it was becoming quite cultish and taking advantage of people and really hurting more people than it helped. And so we left that church over two years ago, right before we moved to Zimbabwe. And since then... I have taken full advantage of COVID restrictions and been quite reluctant to dive back into church life. So we've started going back to church. We've found a church that we like, and the girls love it. It has an amazing Sunday school program. And I love it, but I'm very um, reluctant to really let myself settle in. There's a lot of uncertainty and fear still there of like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to be fooled again. I don't want to 
do the same, make the same mistakes. I want to be sure, right? And I'm sure you can relate to this. We do this with everything, whether it's church or relationships or work. Like we want some assurance that this is going to be okay, that this isn't going to hurt us or hurt other people or something. So we've been settling back into church life there. And I know that there's a big theme in my life around surrender and surrendering to these different processes and the experiences that I'm getting myself into and which I love, which I want, but I'm also terrified of. And I want to talk with you about that today. So we had a beautiful morning at church and then my sister-in-law took the girls out to do something on their own so that my husband and I could spend a little quality time together. It was it was great. Uh, there's a little woodland park in the middle of the city here in Harare and we spent the day walking the dog <laughs> and I I love that um and I'm going to tell you a funny story in a new upcoming podcast about how and why we had to change our dog's name it's quite amusing and this I'll talk a little bit about culture clash and interracial marriage and some of the things that have come up uh, being being married to somebody with a very different cultural background and really embracing his culture. So I'll, I'll just let you know, we had to change the dog's name from Journey to Xena. Now her name is Xena because Journey sounds too much like my mother-in-law's name. Her name is Jane, but in the, the vernacular here, the accent, the way they say Jane is always Janie, and Janie sounds too much like Journey, and so uh, my mother-in-law was insulted by the fact that we had a dog that was had her name. So we've changed the name of the dog to make peace, and I'm going to get into that in another episode, uh, really go into a lot of that background stuff. If you have questions about interracial dating and marriage, I would love to connect with you. Please send me messages on Facebook. Um, that's the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, and in our Facebook group specifically, I'd love to have a chat about that. And I'm going to address that all in another episode. But it was a beautiful day. And we went out and spent the day on our own. We put our feet in the water and like just took a nice quiet walk in this nature reserve and went back home and they had made me a cake. This is the bluest cake. Like, like blue, 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 blue. It looked like we had all eaten some Smurfs. <laughs> it was teeth stained blue, everything blue. I still have blue handprints on parts of the wall in the house, um, but it was a really good day. And and so what I want to share next might come as a bit of a surprise because the truth under all of that is I've been really struggling with some heavy stuff lately. Questions about what I'm doing and where I belong and if I'm making a difference. I am now the kind of person who loves to set goals and slay all day and make an impact. I like to be able to throw myself into a task and just like push through and get it done. But lately that hasn't been working. And I'll be honest with you, it's really frustrating. So I've been I've been struggling with the invitation to surrender. Now, cognitively, I know that surrender is sweet 
and I can trust God. I have no problem surrendering when my head hits the pillow at the end of the day. And that in and of itself, let me say, is a huge improvement because there were long periods of my life where I would lie awake all hours in the middle of the night completely incapable of shutting down my overactive thinking brain. So I thank God that now on most nights, I can actually just roll over and go to sleep in less than 30 minutes. But surrendering during the day with my actual life is a whole different story. And throughout my coaching journey, I've discovered that one of the mental blocks that I'm working through is being able to surrender the outcome and still take action. So let me give you an example, because I'm sure you're wondering, so what does this have to do with me, Lily? Uh, But don't worry, I can guarantee that there are dozens of parallels between my life as a entrepreneur and a wife and a mom and yours as a single woman and whatever else you've got going on. Why? Because We both have God-given desires that we are trying to honor and fulfill in a broken world using technology and resources that weren't really alluded to anywhere in the Bible. And we're both constantly struggling with the question of, am I doing this right? Am I 100% sure this is what God wants from me? And my favorite, what if I screw this up? And those are scary questions. Of course, we want to have confidence and we want to be able to be humble, or at least I want to be able to say, I don't know. But is I don't know really humility or is it just fear wearing the cloak of humility? Because sometimes we do know, but we pretend we don't because we're not ready to let it go or we're too scared to go all in. So we stay in that place of indecision, which is the death of faith. You know, it was James, the brother of Jesus, who said, faith without works is dead. And I've been thinking about that a lot, especially in relation to the life code. So it makes perfect sense to me. If we adopt the mind of Christ, that will produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit as fuel for action, and the action will be good works. But the key here is to not just think a good thought. You have to fully believe it. And this is why affirmations, regardless of how scripturally based they are, will not produce any change in your life until you actually believe it. This is also why Jesus discouraged us from using vain repetitions, because if you don't fully believe what you're saying, you're actually reinforcing the underlying thought that is arguing against it. So, for example, if you repeat to yourself, I am going to fly to the moon, no amount of repetition is going to get you to the moon. Why? Because there's no desire there or intention to take action towards actually getting to the moon. The more you repeat, I'm going to fly to the moon, the more your brain replies with, uh, no, you're not. That's stupid. There's nothing for us on the moon. Why would we go there? We have no, that's not us. This is stupid. The thought, I'm going to fly to the moon, doesn't spark passion or excitement or anything that fuels action. Instead, it sparks disbelief. And you will only dig in deeper to your disbelief the more you say it. So it's really important to be very mindful 
of how your words actually make you feel. We've talked before about the power of words and how much life is in them, and I'm going to share with you why I have had to stop the thought, I am a naturally happy and optimistic person. Because even though that sounds like a great thought, I'm a naturally happy and optimistic person, and it has been useful in the past, it no longer serves me because now it's arguing with my reality. But let me be really honest with you. Living as an immigrant in a third world country isn't easy. And some days, nothing seems to be working. And I know, I know that I am a privileged white woman. And even on a bad day, I still have it better than 95% of people around me. Some days, though, it still sucks. And I don't like it. So when I'm feeling really frustrated and homesick... The thought, I'm a happy and naturally optimistic person, feels like a punch in the gut. It makes me feel like there's something terribly wrong with me and that I've made a terrible decision to be here and I should flee as quickly as possible. I told you earlier in the show that I am continually being called to surrender and that seems really scary right now. I tend to think that I need to work as hard as humanly possible to make sure that nothing bad happens to me and my family. Because let me tell you something I've learned from living in both Canada and Zimbabwe. The biggest difference is that in Canada, there is the illusion of security. Now, the truth is security comes from Christ alone. Nothing can save us when it's time to go. And nothing can stop us when God has a plan for our lives. But our human brain does not know that. So we look at the world through this veil of security. And for some people, the veil is really thick. And they feel like they're a superhero. Nothing can stop them. Everything is working for them. The system works for them. It, it just lines up and they feel really safe in their life. And for others, it's a very thin veil and they are hyper aware of all the dangers. I talk to single women all the time who think that if they had a husband, they would feel safer. They believe that if you've got a man in bed next to you, you've got nothing to worry about. But let me assure you, as one who has a very strong man sleeping between her and the door and the bad guys, nothing could be further from the truth. I still have plenty to worry about. Like how devastating it would be to see him get killed or to see him losing me. Seriously, marriage does not solve anything when it comes to fear-based brains. It will just give you a whole new set of things to worry about. And I'm not saying it's any better or worse. It's just different. And the reason I'm sharing this is that I am committed to having my best year ever. Now, in the past, my best year ever has meant I'm going to accomplish my goals. I'm going to have more fun and I'm going to make amazing memories. Sounds like a good time, right? And this year, it means I am going to fully experience the growing pains. I'm going to get really uncomfortable. I'm going to stop trying to be so damn happy all the time and start being human. And I'm going to feel like everything is falling apart half the time and learn to be okay with it. Sounds like fun, right? 
So I was coaching today and one of my clients is ready to take the next step in her journey towards marriage. She spent the last couple of months working on her mindset and her beliefs and now she's ready to put her faith into action. And she was debating whether she should commit to online dating or focus on meeting someone in the real world. So I gave her two options, which I'm really excited. I'm going to do a full episode on each of these. Um, But I said to her, option A, online dating, but you have to commit to being in conversations with 10 men for 30 days. That means you keep connecting with men, starting up conversations, until you have a circle of 10 who are actively talking to you and making plans to meet up with them. And if one of these men fall off the radar, you have to immediately replace him. So we're being really intentional about having a circle of 10 men to have conversations with and to go on a date with and replacing them as need be. Or option B, Spend 10 hours each week in the real world with no distractions. This includes taking a 30-day break from all social media, putting the phone away, and spending 10 hours a week in public interacting with people and the environment without any headphones, screens, books, or anything like that to hide behind. I told her to choose the one that sounds like the most fun, but know that either way, you're going to have to confront discomfort. You're going to feel scared, awkward, stupid, uninterested, all the negative emotions are going to come up. And it's by allowing them to be there that you'll start to make progress towards your goal. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast and get yourself on my mailing list so you don't miss these next couple of episodes Um, because I'm going to go into a lot more detail of how you can do this for yourself. So for me, my best year ever means the year in which I experience the most growth, spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. I want to always be growing and learning, and that comes with growing pains and a lot of failure. Most people are trying to avoid failure. We don't want to lose money. We don't want to waste time. We don't want to feel rejected. And we do not want to experience shame. But in trying to spare ourselves from those emotional experiences, we make our lives really small. And I don't, I don't want that for myself. I told you that I've been struggling with my life here in Africa. And there are days when I don't like it. I see the streets full of trash and kids with no shoes asking for money. I see my bank account going down and bugs in the house. And I think, I don't like this. And I feel disgust. I was getting coached on this yesterday and I told my coach, I feel like puking. Like there is a dark tar blob in my stomach and my throat feels like that retching feeling. And I honestly wonder if it's like an emotion or a physical illness because it's so strong. And the way that I know it's an emotion is because when I'm thinking I don't like this or some variation on that, it comes up really strong, but it subsides when I change my mind. Now, when I think like this and feel disgust, my impulse action is to get out of here. Like, if you really don't like it, then leave. And 
you guys, I really don't like it. But I also don't want to leave. I like my reasons for being here. And the truth is, I don't want to live my life running away from my emotions. My best life means that no matter where I am in the world, no matter what kind of situation I am experiencing, I know that my emotions are okay, no matter what they are. And if I'm willing to sit with my uncomfortable feelings and feel them all the way through, I will create space to really enjoy the emotions that are more pleasant to feel. And before I let you go, I want to share that when I ask myself, like, I I know that I don't want to be here. There are moments when my brain is just like, I don't want to be here. And so I asked myself, well, where do you want to go? And the answer is Walmart. Yeah, Walmart is like my go-to place. I, You know what I want to do? I want to go to Walmart. I want to have a cup of coffee in one hand. I want to push the cart. I want to touch all the towels and fuzzy blankets, especially those really, really soft ones. I want to smell candles. I want to browse through notebooks. I want to put them in my cart. I want to pick out new pens. I want to like go through the clothing department and try stuff on and look at frying pans. That's my comfort zone, right? Like a cup of coffee, grocery cart, little bit of money on my debit card to spend. That is what my brain wants to go back to. That's what my brain naturally thinks will make me happy. And I wonder, what's your comfort zone? Where does your brain think you should be? Because the truth, like capital T truth that sets me free is I don't really want to choose Walmart for my life. Walmart is not the answer, even though my brain really, really wants it to be. The truth is I like my decision to be in Zimbabwe 60% of the year. And I like that I know that I'm going to go back to Canada, but not yet. I like that we are living our dream, even in those moments when it feels like a nightmare. Because I know that deep in my heart, if I don't quit, we're going to get to the other side of this. And wait for it. Wait for it. The other side is still going to be 50-50. Yep. When we achieve our dreams and our dream home is built and we have our little farm with the orchard and the organic garden and a backyard full of chickens and goats and a beautiful garden with this gorgeous view of the sky, it's still going to be 50-50. Totally awesome sometimes. And there are still going to be days when I don't like it. But do you know what makes it worth it? is the growth that I know I'm going to experience along the way. I will become someone with resilience and perspective, someone who has practiced surrendering, failing, and getting back up. And that's what I want for you too. I want you to commit to your God-given desire, not because marriage will make you a hundred times happier or because it's going to solve any of your problems or make you feel better, but because of who you will be in the process of pursuing a worthy goal that is based on a desire for Christ-centered love. And the way to do that is to show up for the whole experience. 
to put some skin in the game. Invest in your dream, whether that's by working with me or finding some other mentor or accountability partner, but showing up for all the dates, being interested in all the people, falling in love and getting your heart broken, experiencing the butterflies and the rejection. It's all of it. And if you're not willing to go there just yet, just ask yourself why. I want you to be really honest with yourself about why you think you can't go through another heartbreak, experience another rejection or whatever else might be holding you back. What are you afraid of feeling and why? I promise that if you can learn to feel any emotion, that is when you become unstoppable. That's when you can start to see the momentum in your life because no matter what, you know that your security comes from God and that he has already accounted for all the issues you're facing. He knows the circumstances you're dealing with. He knows your history and the trauma you faced. He knows what kind of men you've had in the past and what kind of man you're into. He knows all of it and he has accounted for it. He is not surprised or deterred by any of the things that we think are really good reasons why something can't be done. Now, let me give you a little inside scoop as to why I love being a coach so much is because I love listening to our very rational reasons why we can't do something. It's it's just kind of fun to be able to hear so many people explain why something is impossible for them, knowing full well that from God's perspective, all the things they think are really, really true are just excuses. But when we start to put our faith into action, we figure stuff out. We take action and we let those failures teach us something and we discover God's mercy and goodness all along the way. But some of you, you don't want God's mercy. You just want him to tell you exactly what to do and how to do it so that you can follow his plan, do it perfectly, and avoid all the discomfort. But that's, that's not how it works. There's no perfect plan that you are supposed to know and follow. There's just human life on earth, full of valleys where we feel the shadow of death and learn to fear no evil because he is with us in the midst of all of it. So I want to leave you with this question. Get your journal out. I really want you to write this down and look at your own beliefs around this. What does your best year ever mean to you? I've shared with you what mine is. That means growing and really showing up for my life and allowing myself to experience whatever emotions come my way. I want to grow. And that means I am committed to experiencing all the growing pains along the way. And maybe 10 years from now, I'll have a different definition. But for now, this is what I want for myself. And it's what I want for you too. I want you to embrace life, all of it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and go for the things that light you up. And if one of those things is a Christ-centered marriage, and you'd like me to personally walk with you on that journey as your private coach, please take the next step and book a coaching consultation so that we can set that up. All you need to do is go over to Proverbs 24, 26, go to the Get Coach tab, select the time that works best for you, and then we can have a real conversation, you and I, about your relationship goals and how I can support you 
in achieving them. So that's Proverbs2426.com, the Get Coach tab, select the time. And I can't wait to meet you because if this sounds scary to you, I want you to know you don't have to do it alone. So head over to Proverbs2426.com. There's a link somewhere in the show notes and let's do this together. So make sure you come back next week because I'm going to share with you my two strategies for dating both online and offline, and you're not going to want to miss either of those. So subscribe. And if you know someone who would be blessed by what I've shared here with you today or in any of our episodes, please help me get this message to them. Share it on social media, email it. Trap them in your car and play it on the speakers because I honestly believe that if we change the way we approach love and marriage, we will have healthier relationships that are truly Christ-centered and that allow us to live in alignment with our faith and to be a glowing example of what is possible. I can't make that change happen on my own. It is going to take the grace of God and an army of women like you to help me spread this message and make a difference in the world. But thank you so much for being here with me today. I love you. You are amazing. And until next week, God bless you.